0: 35-year-old male comes into your practice and he's been complaining of fatigue and headaches, easy bruising, and lots of other issues. But one of his main things he says is that when he wakes up in the morning, his urine appears to be a darker color. What do you think this might be?
1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode at the RICU Podcast. Jack, Daniel, how you guys doing? Great. doing? great. Just to remind everybody what we're doing here at the RICU Podcast. So RICU stands for the Research Intensive Care Unit. Um, and what we are doing is keeping everyone up to date on the latest research in clinical medicine. It's really hard to keep up with everything. And what we try and do is distill the latest research into 10 or 15 minutes and uh, discuss it so that you walk out having an understanding of uh, the latest research. Today's article comes from the field of hematology. Uh, it was printed in the New England Journal of Medicine on March 18, 2021. The title of this week's article is Pegcetacoplan versus Ecolizumab in Paroxysmal Nocturnal Hemoglobin Urea. Okay, so do you guys want a one-line refresher on PNH? Sure. Please. Okay, so here it is. PNH, paroxysmal nocturnal hemoglobin urea, um, the red blood cells have a a PIG-A mutation so the red blood cells are lacking uh, CD55 and CD59. These two proteins uh, inhibit complement from attacking the red blood cells. So now when they're deficient in CD55 and CD59 in this PNH disease, then complement is just attacking the red blood cells um cd-59 you'll when you talk daniel when you talk about the medication you'll discuss the difference between the intravascular and extravascular
0: hemolysis i I just want to say that this was way more than one line uh it's (laughs) it's
1: like one now now we're just getting winded but so where were we okay so cd-55 and cd-59 are deficient and therefore complement is attacking the red blood cells and you get this hemolysis why is it proxysmal and nocturnal? I think there's a couple of theories on why it's nocturnal. One of them is because at night you're not urinating as much, so it's more, con- the hemolysis is much more com- uh, concentrated, so that hemoglobin urea in the morning is uh, much darker. Another theory I think we learned about was uh, this hyper, at night there's lower. Uh, lower respiration, so increased CO2, so it's a more acidotic environment, leading to more uh, stress and therefore hemolysis. Daniel, let's go through the current uh, medication treatment for PNH, and then we'll talk about what this article is exploring.
0: The only FDA-approved drug that we have now is a C5 inhibitor called eculizumab. That is, um, it inhibits C5, and we know that C5 uh, leads to C9, which creates the MAC, And the MAC leads to intravascular hemolysis. So once you have that, once you once you block that, there's no longer um, any destruction of red blood cells in the vasculature. But you still have the extravascular hemolysis coming from C3B. So basically what C3B does is that it coats up the cell and then the spleen eats it. So you're still not blocking that. So there's another medication that's called pegcetacoplan, and basically what that does is that it blocks the pathway a little bit earlier on so it blocks it at C3 so you no longer have C3B coding these red blood cells so they're not getting sent to the spleen and they're not getting destroyed there and this is how the medication helps because now that there's no C3 being made so there's no C3B so there's no extravascular hemolysis and that also there is no future C5 being made so there's no intravascular hemolysis because there isn't any MEC that's being made either. So combining no C3 and C5 seems to be superior than just blocking C5 because then you're blocking both pathways of the destruction of the red blood cells. So Jack, could you please get us started with this article? Sure. So the issue is that despite
2: treatment with the current medication, uh for an average of five years... The patients, uh, 30% of them were, were receiving dosages higher than the recommended uh, approved ones for PNH because they were just still having this anemia. The trial population was severely anemic um, with a mean baseline hemoglobin of 8.7 and they continued to be transfusion dependent with 75% of them requiring at least one transfusion from the previous year. They all reported considerable fatigue and the mean baseline of this new scale that we have this week called the FACIT-F. This stands for the Functional Assessment of Chronic Illness Therapy Fatigue Scale. And so this scale is from zero to 52 with a higher score, meaning indicating less fatigue. So they were having a baseline of 32 where a baseline of in a normal healthy adult is 43.6. So they were experiencing very heavy fatigue um, even though they've been on this medication, the current treatment, so that is why um, there's a need for a different medication that that might help them out. So this is a phase three trial. Um, it's a phase three open label control trial uh, to check out the efficacy and the safety of the new medication, the C three uh, inhibitor to pegcetacoplan, uh, when compared to the eculizumab, and. Um, and this was in hemoglobin less than 10.5, despite three months of them being on the eclozumab therapy already. So this is how it was set up. It's a little bit complicated. So at first the people were taking just regular Eclozumab. They, everybody in the trial had a four week run in phase where all patients received the new medication Peg said to Coplan plus eclizumab. After those four weeks, they were then randomly assigned to either having sub Q, pegs to monotherapy, or, uh, IV eclozumab for 16 weeks. So four weeks of them receiving dual therapy, and then they were randomly assigned a group either of either side monotherapy for 16 weeks. Then they found all the uh, results after 16 weeks. After that, there was a 32 week period where all the patients received open label. Pegceptacoplan. That's the new, new medication. The primary endpoint was the mean change in hemoglobin level from baseline to week 16. They wanted to see if the hemoglobin changed. Uh, additional clinical and hematological markers of, he- of hemolysis, like the LDH, were also measured and safety was assessed. So, that was a little bit about how it was set up. Now, what's some of the results? Pegceptacoplan was superior to the current medication, Echolizumab. With, with respect to the change in hemoglobin level from baseline to week 16 with a mean difference of 3.84 uh, grams per deciliter. And that has a P-score less than .001. So therefore, they had a difference of 3.84 uh, in the hemoglobin level with a and that was, and that was significant as well. Um, a total of 35 patients, which is 85% of the group receiving the new medication compared to six patients, which is 15% in the uh, current treatment group, no longer require transfusions. So that so that means 85% of the people in the uh set to Copeland group no longer required transfusion. That's a high number. And so their hemoglobin was higher, they no longer require transfusions. Um so Another uh, difference they saw was that there was a change in the lactate, uh, the LDH level, which detects hemolysis. And so that was one of the markers that they checked, that there was also an improvement in LDH levels. Um, also, so remember that scale that we spoke about beforehand, that fatigue scale? There was an improvement of 11.9 points in the pexitocopelin group. Um, and an increase of greater than three points is generally considered clinically meaningful so they had an improvement of 11.9 points difference Uh, to go into some of the adverse side effects so the most common adverse side effect uh, during the uh, trial was injection site reactions and diarrhea Um, so the injection site reactions were mild and they occurred early in the trial in the discussion section that they the researchers believe that this is because they uh, The people self-administered the uh, sub-Q injections twice weekly. And so in the beginning, they were getting some uh, mild reactions due to the injections. Towards the end of the trial, they were, you know, getting used to it and it was fine. Uh, the diarrhea events were mostly mild single episodes. So those were the basic um, adverse side effects. The incidents of more serious side effects were looked at and uh, there was... There was, n- there was no serious case of meningitis in either group. And as we know beforehand, right, that the C5-C9, to C9, the MAC protein, is in-, is in charge of breaking up the Neisseria uh, bug. And so that causes meningitis. There was no meningitis in either group. And no patient had a thrombotic event. And no deaths occurred in the trial. So there were no any serious side side effects. Uh, there were
0: just the more mild ones. So I, I just have a-, a question. I'm just curious. Do you think that the reason why the meningitis is non-existent over here, as opposed to when someone has um, a C5 to C9 deficiency. Uh, Do you think that could possibly be made uh, because over here, you're not blocking every single C5 to C9. You're just blocking a lot of them. Whereas if someone's deficient, you have like a complete loss of it. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's why? Sounds like a good theory. I like it.
2: I like it. Uh, So a... Potential concern obviously was that you might get uh, due to blocking the C3 pathway, if you're blocking it from earlier from the C3 side, you might get more um, complement. Really helps you in fighting infections, so you might get more infections. But they found in the trial that there was no uh, increase in infections within between both groups, twenty nine percent, twenty six percent, and so it's not it's not significant. And um, but they, they, do, they do say that, uh, although the findings are encouraging, long-term data on the incidence of infection with this earlier complement inhibition is needed. So overall, it was found that the new medication, pecserv was superior to eculizumab in improving hemoglobin and the clinical and hematological outcomes in patients with PNH. And it gave them a better control of the intravascular and extravascular hemolysis so their hemoglobin went up and they no longer needed transfusions so uh gabe you want to sum it up what's the uh, attending tip of the day
1: okay so let's say you're doing your hematology and hematology clinic and your attending calls you over and says here we got this patient who i've been dealing with um who was referred to us by primary care they can't figure out what's going on uh, we did the blood work um, we did a full workup and he has PNH. What is, what do you want to do for uh, this patient? Uh, so you're going to say, well, right now, the only FDA approved. So the attending is probably going to ask you, uh, explain to them what PNH is. So you'll explain that it's a deficiency of CD55, CD59, complement pathway, whatnot. Then you're going to say, um, the currently approved FDA uh, treatment is, what is it? Ecaluzumab. Ecaliz- Ecaliz- Dude, I cannot say this. Eculizumab. Eculizumab. I gotta get this. I need. A, I need a mnemonic for this. Eculizumab. And what's gonna impress your attending is when you tell them, well, eculizumab actually only works on C5 of the pathway, so it's preventing intravascular hemolysis, not extravascular hemolysis. But there is research uh, in the New England Journal. There's research going on that was printed in the New England Journal of Medicine in March, um, that exploring a possible medication to work at the C3 uh, part of the pathway, the complement pathway, to actually also prevent the extravascular hemolysis. And I think, as usual, your attending will undoubtedly be impressed with your clinical uh, knowledge.
2: All right. Now, up to Daniel's pondering question of the day. Let's hear it.
0: So my pondering question for this week is similar to the one from last week. The idea is the same. A baby is born with coarctation of the aorta and what we, the very first thing that we do is we give them a prostaglandin E analog and that keeps the ductus arteriosus open and that will increase the blood flow to the lower extremities. So the question is, is that the extra blood that it's getting is coming from the right side of the heart which uh, doesn't have too much oxygen in, in it so why does this help? Please send us your answers to thericuteam at gmail.com follow us on facebook and twitter at the Ricky team thank you so much for listening and have a great day